hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, we have the second part of our conversation with the folks from AHW LLC about what makes a good service technician. We hear from National Bison Association Executive Director Dave Carter about some big developments in the world of bison ranching. Stephanie Nash returns to talk about the release of her Time Changes song and FFA contest. And the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax, brings us another installment of Bushels and Scents. Finally, we hear the music of the hillbilly singer himself, Scott Southworth. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week, a few weeks back, we talked with Morgan Hester of AHW LLC about that dealership's challenge finding ag machinery service technicians. On this episode, we wanted to continue that discussion with Henry Wyckoff, the corporate service manager, and Kevin Ash, the assistant corporate service manager with AHW, which is a 16-store John Deere dealership in East Central Illinois and West Central Indiana. This week, we really wanted to drill down on the topic of what makes a good service technician. And guys, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, good morning, Brent, and thanks for having us. Uh, we look forward to seeing if we can recruit some more people. I know it's an ongoing challenge that you guys have, and and one of the things that that, that we wanted to kind of start out talking about here today is the perception of a service technician. Because I know uh, whether you're talking about tractors and combines, or you're talking about heavy trucks, or even uh, uh, light duty automobiles, you know there, there had long been that perception of kind of the uh, uh, the grease monkey, the guy that's just turning wrenches and, and, and busting his knuckles and busting his back, uh, you know, for eight, eight or more hours a day. But over the past, uh, you know, couple decades here, this thing has really evolved uh, to, to the point where uh, you really have to have a high aptitude for uh, the electronics side of things and the computer side of things. And, and, uh, that, that uh, is becoming, as the technology continues to evolve, increasingly more important. Yes, it is. Uh, technicians of yesterday, a um, couple of uh, decades ago, is a lot different than the technician today. Um, the grease monkey moniker has more or less disappeared over the years because uh, we are now fully trained, factory, factory trained technicians. Uh, these uh, young men, and some of us uh, a little older than young men, uh, the industry has changed tremendously from the years of the 4020 tractor and the 6600 combine to the unbelievable technology that we have today for the combine to set itself and drive itself, for the corn planter to uh, do everything for you while you just sit there in the seat and watch it happen, even turning on the end and adjusting population. So the technicians today, uh, the requirements are quite a bit different. Uh, you mentioned um, some of the electronics and the uh, aptitude for that. It's extremely important to be able to replace a bearing or put a chain on or fix something that's broken as much as it is and maybe more so to have the ability to do the electronics um, 
diagnostics. A lot of our work now is uh, revolving around computers and the technology that's available through our service advisor. Uh, we have the ability to remote into equipment and see what's going on with it. Uh, the prognostics of today give us an insight into what's happening with the equipment before it actually fails. Mm. So uh, the proactive approach is fastly becoming front line with us. So our technicians that we need today have to be smart and have to want to be able to do it. Almost like being a, a doctor of equipment, isn't it? It is. Because there's, uh, there's just so many things here. And if you've got that investigative mind, that, that curious mind that, that wants to know why things work and, and uh, why parts fail and, and why things happen, uh, you know, this is right up your alley. Yes, it is. And we're, we're experiencing a shortage of technicians, and that is industry-wide. It's just not John Deere technicians. It's truck technicians. It's uh, automotive technicians. Oh. Union technicians uh, across the North America sector, there's approximately 3,000, approximately 3,000 short across the whole industry. So uh, there's high demand and there's movement of technicians from one location to another and even on to a different industry, but still based on the uh, technician's ability to repair equipment. Mm -hmm. So, Kevin, once you get uh, a technician in the door, what kind of ongoing training is available to them to, to stay on top of uh, the latest uh, advancements in technology? Well, there's a, we have online training uh, that the technician can do. Basically, uh, we pay them uh, to take the training at home. Um, a lot of times, they, they will send us to a a diagnostic training uh it's usually two days you know that john deere has different training centers um in the u.s but uh there's one in in davenport iowa you know so you're not not far from deer's home base so it's always nice to go up there you know and uh of course there's a lot to see around there john deere related too so you know it always felt good as a technician to be able to go up there and spend some time up there and uh, maybe go see some of the factories. And uh, and like I say, I usually learned a lot. It, they, there's a lot of hands-on, usually a day or so of classroom, and then uh, they took you out. They've got a shop up there, uh, put bugs in, uh, in different pieces of equipment and, and work through, you know, go through the diagnostic steps and the Basically, the preferred way to do it, the the John Deere way to do it, I guess. But it, it was usually, it would usually lead you to the uh, resolution a lot quicker. But uh, uh, they they require, you know, a certain amount of training per for every. I think new model, they they require you know a certain amount of training for the dealership to have, you know, to be able to sell and uh, maintain that piece of equipment. And Kevin, you've been in this role that you're at, Assistant Corporate Service Manager, a relatively short time. You actually came from uh, the field working as a technician. What was the most rewarding part of that job for you? Uh, I'd say, you know, I, I really enjoyed the uh, customer interaction and, uh, you know, knowing that the customer could uh, rely on you to quickly and accurately diagnose an issue, which... Uh, 
I always claim to be lucky, you know, rather than good because it, I, I, I felt like, you know, that, that electrical problem was always, uh, it was always a hard one to diagnose. So, uh, you know, you felt good uh, finding the issue because, uh, you know, it's not always the, uh, the apparent, apparent problem, you know, that's really causing the issue. The, the old mechanical issues were easy, uh, in my mind, you know, straightforward, but uh, you get into something electrical that you could you could lead yourself down the the wrong path pretty quickly if you didn't uh, just kind of take a step back and think about it. Uh huh. The times that you're working directly w- with a customer, uh, you've got to uh, understand that uh, they're calling you in at a time when you know something breaks down and they need it the most. So. Uh, you know, time is of the essence and, and you got to be focused and you got to be patient. Yeah, it definitely, uh, there, there always is a little bit of pressure, you know, to, to get it fixed quickly because, uh, these guys, you know, they're, uh, several hundred thousand dollar machine that they only use, you know, a few months out of the year is, uh, and this is their, you know, of course we're, we're going into harvest here, you know, hitting it pretty hard. So they're, uh, the pressures, the pressures on them to get their crop in, and then when they have an issue, the the pressures on us to get it fixed and and back in the field for them. And Henry, I know one of the big issues here is you look at kind of the uh, way equipment was sold here over the past uh, a couple of decades. That whole period between 2008 and 2014, uh, all that stuff is now kind of coming into that circle of repair where. Uh, you know, it's just getting the age on it and, and a lot of it's starting to hit at the same time. So, uh, that, that kind of exacerbates this need for, uh, technicians, doesn't it? Yes, it does. The equipment is getting some age on it now where it's going to be coming into our shops more and more. Um, we had a high sales of, of, uh, large ag equipment across North America and that's all brands was high sales. So all that equipment, uh, as it ages is going to require some maintenance and, and probably some, some breakdowns. I mean, everything mechanical breaks, uh, not every piece of mechanical equipment breaks, but something usually breaks because it's working all the time. The equipment is out there and it's going to require attention from well-trained technicians and our John Deere technicians are some of the best trained in the industry. Uh, they can do just about anything to every piece of John Deere equipment. They're cross-trained and they're constantly trained. We do some training within AHW um, beyond what John Deere does. Uh, so we're we're pretty proud of the technicians that work for our corporation. And, and what does that additional training entail? Uh, a lot of times it has to do with the uh, pass equipment, the uh, precision ag side. Um, we try to get them diversified in that, and it's uh, uh, we're one of the leading companies in that technology. We're we're several steps ahead of most dealers in supporting that equipment. Uh, remotely mostly, but some of our uh, technicians are required to go out and fix them right on the spot. Sometimes it's actually a a hardware failure, not just a software failure or use failure. So most of that's done in-house. 
uh, on a weekly basis with our past team. And uh, I know that it's so competitive. Once you get somebody in the door and you spend all the time and, and invest all the money in training them and getting them up to speed and getting them ingrained in the corporate culture and everything that goes along with that, then to be able to retain them. So anybody that you've got that's any good is well worth every penny that you pay them, isn't it? That's true. They are very much worth every penny we pay. And they are worth every penny we charge. Um, and because of the shortage, that is going to continue to rise. Um, the other industries that are going after the technicians out there now uh, are paying a premium to get them and retain them. So um, we're trying to get ahead of that. Well, I know we mentioned it in passing here, but another huge issue here is the constant ongoing training because the technology is constantly evolving. Well, one of the things that is always forefront with our technicians and our aftermarket and, and servicing these people is the continual upgrade of technology. It is constant and it is sometimes it's every day, but certainly it is uh, several times a year. Software on the equipment needs to be upgraded because, uh, updated, upgraded because things have changed. Uh, there's new technology available for um, the AMS equipment all the time. There's, there's something new coming down the pike regularly. So we're constantly learning something new. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, uh, one of the realities of, a, of being a good service technician is the ability to want and learn new technologies and and uh, new ways to do things. Mm -hmm. What are you guys seeing from not, not only the post-secondary level, but also from the, uh, the high school level, from uh, uh, FFA programs, from other programs, vocational programs uh, th that's being done to maybe gear some of these people toward careers in technician work? I think maybe the challenge of getting a job for the generations coming in, the um, secondary education, the college-level education, a lot of those jobs are spoken for already, and there are a lot of job openings at, um, at the labor level, if you want to call it that. Vocational training is going at, at a higher pace now. There's more people interested in it, especially with the new technology. I mean, the, the idea of overhauling a tractor uh, is still appealing to some of our technicians, but what's more appealing is, is fixing a problem that uh, they can possibly even do remotely. Sometimes yeah. it's over the phone, some through, sometimes it's through what's called RDA or remote display access or service advisor remote. Uh, and a lot of the generation coming in is, is hands-on. I mean, they grew up with this technology, so it, it becomes second nature to them. Yeah. And they're right at home doing it. Well, I tell you what, if this has piqued the interest of anybody listening, or if, if you've got a, a young student that's exploring careers, Henry, where can they go to find out more information on what might be available within AHW? So we have a website, uh, 
just look up AHW LLC and you'll find our website and we have some recruiting information there. You can reach out to our HR department or you can reach out to Kevin or myself and we will get you in contact. You can reach out to the uh, colleges that offer the Ag Tech program, for instance, Lakeland College in Mattoon, Illinois. Uh, they offer the Ag Tech program and are glad to um, talk with anybody that's interested in it and guide them to a dealership that will sponsor them. The nice thing about the Ag Tech program is you are an employee of a John Deere dealer. You're sponsored by them. And uh, you have a job while you're working. It's really an interesting setup. Kevin can probably tell us a little bit more about that because he went through the program before he came to work with us. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. Yeah, so I I uh, was I became interested in uh, you know going through the uh, the ag tech program down there at Lakeland, and uh, you uh, and I had a local dealership that uh, you know my family had always dealt with. You know, because they they farmed, and uh, so I went and talked to them, and they agreed to sponsor me, and I, I worked there the whole time I was going to school, which it gave me a, you know, it was nice to uh, get a little more familiar with the dealership and all the inner workings of it before I actually graduated from uh, college, and then I, I went to work full time for them. So it 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 like it's nice to know you've got a job, I guess. Uh, before you graduate uh, from college and you're out there in the in the world, you know, a young a young guy looking for a job, you know, it can be kind of stressful, but it it was a nice peace of mind. What were some of the most valuable things that you learned during your time there in that program that you used as a technician? Uh, well, a lot of the classes, uh, you know, they taught you, you know, the inner workings of all the, uh, you know, the transmission, the engine. Uh, they, I had a really great instructor uh, on the electrical side of it. You know, it was a it was a long, slow class, but he really got in depth. You know, on the electrical side of things, and I think I feel that it made me a better technician. You know, at the end of it, it was uh, it was not easy. The electrical side is probably the hardest, the hardest side in my in my opinion. You know, to diagnose an electrical issue. Because uh, just because now there are so many controllers and, uh, you know, you got a wiring harness the size of a softball running down the side of a, of a piece of equipment. You know, there's just a lot of wires, a lot of controllers, a lot of things to uh, potentially go wrong. But uh, here does they make a they do a pretty good job of making things work correctly. So, yeah, the, the electrical classes are probably the most important. Were, were the most important for me and I, probably where I, I felt uh, helped me the most. So in addition to the mechanical and electronics aptitude, really it sounds like the, the biggest thing that, that you gained through that is confidence. Yeah, yeah, confidence. And uh, like I say, I had, uh, had some really good uh, technicians at the dealership that uh, kind of took me under their wing and uh, I think they helped with the, the whole confidence thing too. You know, they gave me a, Gave me a direction to go, I guess, and uh, encouraged me. So uh, it's, like I say, it's a, it just felt really good to uh, to have that support from the dealership and from the college going into a career. 
Well, guys, I tell you what, I, I sure appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track to talk about all this. I know it's an ongoing challenge, and, and we'll keep touching base and putting it out there and, and seeing if we can't shake the trees a little bit and get a few more folks interested in, in what you're doing here and, and trying to call attention to this. That would be awesome. Uh, one thing I would like to add is, is our technicians, Kevin touched on the support, there's a tremendous support within our dealership for any and all technicians to reach out. Uh, but on top of that, we have the support of John Deere. All of our technicians have access to John Deere and their technical support. And they have a strong commitment, as we heard a couple of weeks ago when we talked with Grant Surrey of John Deere about uh, everything going on there. So if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that episode a couple episodes back here where we talk with uh, Grant, and then we talk with Morgan Hester from AHW. So go back and delve into all that and, and start uh, putting the pieces together and exploring if you have any kind of interest in becoming a service technician. Henry Wyckoff and Kevin Ash, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Fastline Fast Track, and we look forward to talking with you down the road. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, last week, 12 U.S. Senators, led by John Hoven of North Dakota and Michael Bennett of Colorado, sent a letter to USDA Undersecretary Greg Eibach urging the approval of the National Bison Association's request for a $17 million purchase of bison meat under the Section 32 Surplus Removal Program. Undersecretary Eibach oversees the Agricultural Marketing Service, which considers Section 32 requests. Here to talk about that request is Dave Carter, the Executive Director of the National Bison Association, which represents more than 1,100 members in all 50 states and 10 foreign countries. Dave, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, for anyone unfamiliar with the bison industry, these are interesting times for producers. You have an oversupply of harvest-ready animals. Much of the heart of the bison production territories experienced a drought. And then you add to that the economic uncertainty in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. So what your organization, this group of senators, is saying to the USDA is now is the perfect time to consider adding bison to the purchases it makes for the distribution through the federal food and nutrition programs, which is something that goes back to the Agricultural Adjustment Act of 1935. That's correct. And you know, we've enjoyed a, a solid decade of unprecedented growth and profitability in the in the bison business. But last year, we kind of got hit by surprise, so we had more animals uh, coming to market than we had anticipated. You know, we don't have the level of reporting, uh, you know, bison on feed or weaning or those type of things that, that our friends in the beef and, uh, business have. And so that caught us by surprise, and so we started to see some downward pressure last year on the live animal prices as well as the carcass prices and um thought we kind of had a strategy to get that straightened out uh, in january and, and we're motoring along and then of course march hit with covid and it really set us on our ear and now we've got the drought situation so um we put in a request to usda in august to purchase 17 million dollars worth of uh, ground bison to be used for um, everything for 
food distribution on Indian reservations to VA hospitals and other institutions to help us get some correction in the business and get our feet back under us. So are there estimates for the amount of bison meat that could be provided through this program on an annual basis? Well, we have, you know, we are still a very small business. I don't even call us an industry. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we processed about 55,000 animals last year for the year. Of course, our friends in the beef business do that by about noon every every day. Um, but, you know, right now with the $17 million, that's a, a good amount of, of bison. It would be about 7,000 animals um, that uh, would, would come through 2.8 million pounds of, of product. So uh, it would be a, a good, good amount of, of product. So one bit of good news for the bison producers came a couple weeks ago when they were added to the eligibility list for the second round of coronavirus food assistance program payments. They were left off the list for the first round of payments, and that didn't sit well, I know, with a lot of producers who made their voices heard, and the USDA responded. That's correct. And once again, you know, we have some real friends on, on, the, on the Hill in, in the Senate. You mentioned Senator Hoven and Senator Bennett, but gosh, there's just a, a bunch of folks that have been responsive and, you know, they contacted uh, uh, Secretary Purdue and uh, the folks at FSA and said, hey, this, you know, the bison producers have been hit pretty hard and they need to be eligible just like their neighbors in, in the other livestock sectors are. That was good news when that came through. So aside from the aforementioned challenges, what are some of the other hurdles that bison producers are facing today? Well, right now, you know, we think that the long-term outlook for our business is very strong. Uh, we um, have started, you know, we've been resonating with more and more people that are looking at uh, wanting to take care of diet and health and take care of the health of the earth and still want to have a good, delicious product. And we line up very well with that. But being such a small business, you know, we have challenges of taking care of the, the health of our herds and doing some of the basic research. So one of the things that we're really excited about is that a couple of weeks ago, we formally launched the Center of Excellence for Bison Studies in cooperation with South Dakota State University and the National Buffalo Foundation and some of the tribal colleges, the Intertribal Buffalo Council, to bring together researchers and scientists to help us with some of those basic needs that we have with our business. How do you envision those efforts moving the industry forward? Well, I think that not only doing research into things like mycoplasma and and some of the other diseases that are affecting bison, but then being able to get that knowledge out to the countryside so that uh, bison ranchers will have access to that. You know, that's been one of the things that has always stymied us as, as we've developed is that most of the knowledge has been just sort of shirt-tailed knowledge that's handed around. You know, one producer does this and it works, and one producer does that and it doesn't, and we get together at conferences and, and talk about that. But with the Center of Excellence, we're going to be able to bring more focus to that and be able to amplify some of the good work that uh, researchers at universities and at USDA have been doing through the years, but hoping to bring that together in a more coordinated fashion. Are we still seeing more folks getting into the bison business? Oh, we've got a lot of interest from folks getting uh, into the bison business. And, you know, young producers that are looking for alternatives and want to have something that they can produce and connects more directly with their with their customers. And when you think about the concerns that people have coming through the COVID um, situation of wanting to know where their food was, you know, how it was produced and where was it grown, those are things that line up very well for us. So we think there's a good opportunity for 
more people to get into the bison business. And for anyone that's interested in it, our website, which is bisoncentral.com, just www.bisoncentral.com, is the place to go. Well, I tell you what, uh, and it's a wealth of information here. I've spent a bit of time on it, checking things out. So if you have any interest in uh, knowing all things bison, make sure you go check out the other NBA, the National Bison Association. Again, bisoncentral.com. And Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And I hope you'll keep us posted as new developments materialize on all these fronts. Will do. I really appreciate you checking in with us. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, uh, a few weeks ago, we brought Stephanie Nash, uh, Nashville recording artist, onto the show to talk about her FFA Time Changes Scholarship Program. And we wanted to bring her back on here because we have some updates, including an exciting song release this Friday. And Stephanie, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Time Changes, the song uh, dealing with farming and uh, you are yourself a fourth generation dairy farmer there in Tennessee, originally from California. And this really is a passion project for you. Yeah, it's been a kind of all year building. You know, I had Best Side of Me come out in March and I took quarantine as kind of, you know, a humble experience to really build not only, you know, the videos that we've been seeing and the scholarship, but this song. Everything that um, we've been doing has been leading up to this point and it's finally here and i'm really excited to be able to share this song with you guys and one of the components of this is you have challenged ffa chapters across the country to make a video and tell about why they love agriculture what they're doing in their community and how this scholarship would help their chapter and uh, that the calls for submission uh, are still open for that yeah so i actually extended um, the deadline mostly because I heard some feedback that, you know, FFA chapters are either not meeting or they're slowly getting back into meeting. And I just wanted to give everybody the chance to enter. It's really simple. You know, I know um, some states are, you know, a little bit heavier on regulation than others, but even if just one of your chapter members sends in a quick video, it can be a minute. It can be 30 seconds, whatever you want to say about your chapter in agriculture and how this scholarship would help your, you know, your community in any way, please send it. Um, it's stephanienashmusic at yahoo.com. You can also go to stephanienashmusic.com for more information. Um, but I've, you know, we've been raising money for the last three months and, you know, there's quite a bit there in the, in the fund and I would love to give it away um, to a needing chapter. So of the videos you've received so far, what, what has kind of stood out in terms of the theme or, or the approach that chapters have used? Well, I'll tell you, there's been everywhere from one person in the video to like eight different chapters members doing it from different locations. Um, I think the biggest thing that, the first of all, why I created the scholarship was um, mainly to help chapters that their communities don't fund FFA. Um, maybe, you know, you're close to a bigger city or uh, maybe a city that doesn't believe in agriculture as much as, you know, your rural towns. Um, but I think the biggest theme is, you know, they're struggling. Um, fairs were canceled. Festivals were canceled. You know, a lot of sales um, for these students were canceled. And so I, I really, really have seen um, an impact on them uh, financially for those chapters trying to, you know, get students um, jackets or get them registered for the national convention online. So um, that's been the biggest trend, I think. 
When speaking of videos, one of the neat things that you have started doing here over the past few months is a video profile series, Time Changes, The Life of a Farmer. And for anybody who hasn't had a chance to go out and see these, these are really, really well done. And they're not long, less than five minutes each, and they're great vignettes that really break down the struggles, the challenges, the opportunities, and just the passion for farming. Yeah, so I have been wanting to start this series for quite a while. Um, you know, I finally um, saved up enough to fund it and try to get those stories told. Not only that, but traveling as well. Um, I've been to South Carolina so far. I've been, you know, we did some in Tennessee. I went to Montana a couple weeks ago. Um, next, this upcoming month, I'll be in Kentucky and North Carolina. So just trying to travel to many states this year as possible, telling the, not only their stories, but the struggle every farmer is facing um, today. And so it's been an emotional experience. I mean, I, I met some amazing, humble people in Montana, um, their families, you know, farm, that's all they know, really live out in the middle of nowhere, have to fight for their land, um, competing with investors out there that kind of just moved to Montana and buy some land and they can't, you know, continue to grow. So that was their biggest struggle that I've seen. And then the first day I was there was their first rain in three months. So they were going through a little bit of a drought. They had some fires. So it's not just about farming. It's more than that. It's the weather, it's regulations, it's, um, you know, family struggles. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to tell farmer stories everywhere. And one of the uh, compelling ones to me was the very first one you did out of the gate, Paul O'Dell out of South Carolina, uh, just turned 98 years old. And he shared... Uh, uh, j just so many great stories in such a short time about uh, his time as a farmer and, and give some great advice for anybody who, who wants to get into farming or has been in it a little while, just uh, the perseverance it takes. And he shows off his 1946 Farmall tractor bought in August 1946 for the price of $146. First one purchased in his county. And that was quite a story. Yeah, Paul Smith Hotel was the sweetest man. He you know, not only did we sit down and talk about, he met his wife down in Augusta, Georgia, and brought her back up to South Carolina. Um, but, you know, so many stories of, you know, the hard work that that was before us. Um, I think we've become a little further out from knowing the truth about agriculture and um, how much work goes into it daily. And so I, I really respected him. And, you know, he told us a lot about life and, uh, you know, just appreciating what you have. Well, again, this is a big week. Friday, October 9th, Time Changes is released. And I hope you'll go and download that wherever you download your music here. It's a great song with a great message. And when that video comes out, uh, make sure you share all those links around. And uh, we also want to mention if you're an FFA chapter, an FFA member, when that song releases and later on when the video releases, make sure you share it on social media with the hashtag FFA Time Changes. Uh, so it, it can all be aggregated and, and we can see who's sharing it and also uh, uh, just to, to spread the word here. We're, we're going to try to cast this net as far and wide across this great country of ours as we can here and get the word out uh, about the challenges and opportunities in agriculture. And Stephanie, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us here. And I hope you come back and give us an update as we get a little bit further down the road here with this uh, scholarship program and everything else you're doing. Yeah, of course. I'll let you guys know at the end of the month who uh, received the scholarship and 
Um, I'm still taking donations as is. We had to move the fundraiser back to December 5th. Um, just, you know, things were still a little bit crazy, but I have, you know, hope that we're going to raise a lot of money for those FFA kids and that the life of a farmer stories are going to keep going and this song will make a difference in the farmer's lives everywhere. So thank you so much for having me. Before we leave, give us that uh, website one more time. Stephanie Well, next up, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Cents with our buddy, the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget to check out all his great multimedia content at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. You are the type of person that does not believe in keeping the fuel tank of your vehicle full. It is always between one half and one eighth. With only 50,000 miles, the fuel pump fails on your pickup truck, 100 miles from town. After a long wait for a $300 tow to the dealer and a $500 repair bill, the truck is fixed. Many do not recognize that the fuel level in the tank is the coolant for the pump. When the level is always low, the pump runs hotter and fails prematurely. You wrote a check for $800, the equivalent of 229 bushels of corn, and wasted an entire day. What is that worth? Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com where steel and soil meet. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, over the past few years, Scott Southworth's name has become synonymous with true traditional honky-tonk music. In late July, he released his latest LP, These Old Bones, and has been very active over the past few months entertaining fans all over the world with live stream performances. We can't wait to get back to some of that great honky-tonk music. And this week, Scott, we are excited to bring you back here to Fast Line Fast Track. How have you been? Well, man, how are you, Brent? Uh, you you, you kind of lost me at synonymous, you know, when you start using those big words on me. <laughs> I just shut down. I shut down. How are you, brother? I am doing great, man. Of course, we had uh, uh, Scott on the live stream a couple weeks ago, and we had some audio issues, so we're going to recut this thing here as a uh, a podcast here and, and mix it up a little bit and just have some fun with it because he's one of the guests I really like to just uh, sit and chat with and have fun. Well, good. I feel the same way. I feel, you know, and, and you know, your, your folks that listen to the podcast, uh, you and I will just call and talk to each other every now and then a few times a year just to just to BS, too. So yeah. we're, not, uh, we're not just saying that for for podcast land. We actually genuinely like talking to each other. Yeah, most definitely. I, I learn a lot every time I every time I talk to you. I know that much. And uh, You learn that you're not going to answer that phone number again. I have to keep <laughs> changing my number so I can fool you into answering. <laughs> You know, one of the cool things that, that I've noticed here, you've built a great fan base all over the world, but, uh, you know, especially over the past few months, I've really been paying attention, and you don't just get the adulation from uh, fans, but, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people in the actual music business, especially, uh, you know, in the country and Western traditional uh, realm who've been singing your praises and have really been highly complimentary of you and, and you don't see that every day between artists so I think that really speaks volumes about uh, uh, what you've done in your career and, and just how you treat other people well thank you that's that's very nice I'm, I, I, and I mean you threw adulation out. You're, <laughs> you're into these four syllable words tonight <laughs> um, I think that means it's a good thing yes sir um, but uh, no, thanks. And, and, you know, 
I think especially as an as an indie artist, uh, Brent, one of the things that's really uh, struck me or just blew my mind in the last four or five years as I started really pursuing this thing is once I got into it, I started realizing how many great independent artists there are all over the United States and all over Europe that are writing and recording some some beautiful music and uh and so you know for in in my mind you know anytime we can we can lift each other up and and talk about some of these other artists um i'm i'm all about it you know and so i i guess i guess that's kind of one of my strategies not strategy or creed or whatever you'd call it is just just try to try to help other people and try to Try to try to shine a light on other people too. And uh, what's that old saying? You know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. But uh, there's just there's great music out there, man. And and I mean, we've talked about this. You know, there's so many people that complain that there's not real country music on the radio today. Um, but there's there's real country music all over the place. And, yeah. And complaining about what's on the radio and then listening to the radio. You know, I saw this. I saw this the other day. I forget who shared it, but it's it's like complaining that there's no Coca-Cola in the Pepsi machine, and uh, and then buying a Pepsi and drinking it anyway, even though you don't like Pepsi. There's plenty. There's a Coca-Cola machine down the street. There's plenty of Coca-Cola in the world, and there's plenty of traditional country music uh, all over the place, and it's 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 vibrant and it's relevant. And it's, uh, it's, I'm just, my gosh, just lately, I just listened, today, I just listened to Alicia Nugent's album. Uh, Have you ever listened to that? Yes, we had her on the show here a couple of weeks ago, and she's phenomenal. Uh, that was, re- it's a remarkable album. Zephaniah Uhura, uh, his new album just, just tore me up. Uh, Jesse Daniels is making great music. Joey Alcorn just released an album. Uh, there's just, there's so many great artists out there, so. You know, I'm I'm happy to talk about others and 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 lift them up. You know, it's encouraging too. And uh, I, I know we've uh, we, we kind of hit on this on the uh, on the live stream, but but one of the organizations you got hooked up with the uh, Academy of Western Artists. Uh, you, you're a three-time AWA nominee for Male Vocalist of the Year and Pure Country Album of the Year. And yeah. you, your 2019 album, Hey Hillbilly Singer, was awarded the Pure Country Album of the Year. Uh, award and you got a chance to head out there this year out, out in August to uh, uh, Fort Worth to uh, uh, get a chance to connect with those folks and there is a whole group a really vibrant group of uh, like-minded people who who make just this incredible music that uh, unfortunately you're not hearing enough of on terrestrial radio today yeah um, you're you're right, but you know it, it doesn't mean it's not out there. And and boy, what a great organization the Academy of Western Artists is. Uh, this was my first time going there, and you'd mentioned that I won uh, this last year, and I I was not able to to be there. I had planned on being there. I had my ticket spot, and 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 my table reserved. But then life threw a curve, and I wasn't able to wasn't able to attend. So. I promised them that I was going to start coming from here on out just to, just to be part of it, whether I'm nominated or not. So I, I kept the promise, of course, and went this year and had such a good time. So many DJs uh, from all over. I mean, literally coast to coast, 
there were DJs from all over the place and uh, and the artists. Uh, oh my gosh, let me think. Uh, Bill, uh, 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 Billy Mata, uh, uh, Johnny Angel, Chuck Cusimano, uh, Lisa Lane. Just just great artists. We had such a good time and and you know who won album of the year was uh, Carrie Fearon out of Ireland. Yeah. Um, and so I love this organization because it truly is an international organization. The awards are strictly voted on by the DJs. So it's not one of those things where you have to beg all your friends to vote for you or something like that. It's truly, they, they're truly basing their votes on the music and on what they feel is the best offering that year. So that, that means a lot to me, but just, being around the DJs and the supporters and the musicians and the artists, um, uh, what a what an what an amazing time! I just I love it. it. It felt like a family as soon as I got there. It was it was crazy, and I just had the best time. I I think I we talked about this. I ended up playing during the awards, and that wasn't part of the plan. Um, but because of COVID, there were several folks that didn't show up, and so I walked into the the uh the hotel where the event was happening and and immediately got shuttled into sound check <laughs> and, and i had to call my producer and he sent me some tracks and i'd never sung the tracks in my life um but man i had a great time i had and everybody was just welcoming and 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 positive and we just we just had a blast and we talk about uh, DJs, even, even though, I mean, a lot of this music isn't widely played on terrestrial radio between uh, s some, uh, you know, markets and also uh, Internet radio. There are a lot of great DJs out there who, who are passionate about sharing this music. Oh, absolutely. And they're passionate about about all of these artists and uh, any, anybody from from uh, Billy Billy Bowles on the on the West Coast. Scott Weichel up in Michigan, uh, J.D. Ainsworth in Louisiana. Uh, that's what he calls it, Louisiana. <laughs> uh, 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 Janice in Pennsylvania. I mean, there's just and, and and then all over Europe, uh, just great DJs that are that are supporting this music. And so, again, it's not that it's not out there. It's just it takes a minute to to find those stations. But it's not even that you're going to listen to and hear my song. You're going to hear traditional country music all day long. Um, uh, Richie Richardson is, is playing country music. Uh, Red Hickey in Arkansas uh, playing traditional country music. I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on. Um, just, just great, great guys out there. And, and, men and men and women. And I also want to say, sorry if I'm talking too much here, but I get excited about this because when you're listening to these DJs, you know, the other thing, in addition to hearing that there's not enough real country music on the radio, you're also hearing everybody complain that there's not enough female artists on the radio, right? Yeah. Let me tell you, these, these DJs that are playing traditional country music, it's almost a 50-50 split. I mean, I've, I've been introduced to so many amazing female artists thanks to listening to these to these uh, DJs out there. And there's some great females out there making music. So, um, I mean, it's, it's out there, folks. Trust me. Um, don't worry about your, your terrestrial radio. Go, go to Fast Line, Fast Track. You're going to hear the, the artists there and then seek them out and you're going to hear them. That's right. And, and again, you mentioned uh, so many of those great DJs 
Uh, go Google those guys. You know, Billy Bowles, every, every Saturday morning on KSSL out of Lubbock, Texas. That was just a great... Uh, California, Tom Ward left a great show. Great, great shows. And, you know, Scott Weichel on Fish Creek Radio. All these guys uh, are so dialed into this music and, and they go out of their way to to unearth these treasures. And uh, it's just amazing. So, yeah, take the time and go listen to it. I know with Billy, that's a big part of uh, my Saturday morning to sit down, have some brunch, and turn on Billy and. And and just kind of soak that stuff in, and and he he turns up folks all the time that uh, that I never heard of. I don't know where they came from, and uh, they're just creating you know just incredible music. So yeah, definitely yeah. Go, go check that out. Well, before we go any further, how about we hear a song from you, friend? All right, man. Well, let's do the uh, the title track of the brand new CD, These Old Bones. This is a tune I wrote with my buddy Rick Stewart here in town, and it goes like this. <laughs> These old bones sure like complaining when they drag me out of bed. I don't mind the aching pain. Good to know that I ain't dead. These old bones don't get nowhere fast. They got me this far. These old bones like picking on an old flat top guitar. I don't know much, but one thing I know for sure. These old bones ain't ever been this old before. Yeah, man. It's harder to recuperate. They don't bounce back like they did. But when the whiskey lubricates, well, yeah, they feel just like a kid. So these old bones don't dance truth to tell. They never really could. These old bones got enough to know. They still got it good Don't know much but one thing I know for sure These old bones ain't ever been this old before You might call me a fossil Relic past my prime But my baby likes the way These old bones take their time They were God Got these old bones. Alright, Brent, here goes your only guitar solo of the day. Blistering fast fingers here, I promise you. <laughs> well, I ain't planning on these old bones getting planted no time soon. Still got a lot of miles to go. Plenty left to do as long as. Guitars pick it hot Honky tonks are beer on ice Well you can keep that chair to rock These old bones hit their stride I don't know much but one thing I know for sure These old bones ain't never felt this good before I said, I got these old bones. 
Yeah, man, I got these old bones. And Brent, when I get up in the morning and pop all my bones and stretch and try to stand up straight, I look up and I say, you know what? Great stuff there from Scott Southworth. You know, I know you've been just an absolute machine when it comes to connecting with your fans here during COVID, even doing two a day on Fridays so you can connect with your ever-growing audience over in Europe. Uh, what's that experience been like? Because that's been huge for you, not not being able to uh, tour as much as you'd like to, to, to still be able to connect with those people. And you've really built a loyal following. Well, it's, it's crazy. Thank you for saying that. But, you know, this is the first year in... in five or six years that I've not been in Europe playing music at some point. Um, and so it's, uh, I, I just, I want to find, I want to continue finding ways to, to reach out to not only folks here in the United States, but also people in Europe and, and just keep them engaged. Uh, and, and it's been, you know, the, the, the last music video I made, which is a song called Critters, um, I was trying to figure out a way to do a, a music video in a socially distanced environment. And I reached out to friends all over Europe and across America and asked them, I sent them this song, Critters, and uh, and asked them to, to send me one minute videos of them dancing to it, doing whatever they wanted. And, uh, and, and I, I, I hope you've seen the video, but man, there's, there's dancers from Switzerland, from France, from Ireland, from the UK, from Utah and California, Oregon, Tennessee. I mean, it just, and, and everybody was so creative. And, and so that, to me, that's a great way to engage with, with people all over the world. And so, you know, here's, here's a guy dancing with a couple of bass, largemouth bass on a bass boat that can say he's doing a video with a couple line dancing uh, in Switzerland, you know? So it's, I, I love that that great magic of, of music being able to actually bring everybody together and, and connect people in a way that they might have never realized. Um, and then and then as far as the live for me, um, I think the biggest impact it's had on me is, is realizing that what we're living through right now is is so remarkable. You know, in our entire lifetime, we've never lived through something that was a shared experience with people all around the world. You know, when I'm doing my, my, my Friday morning live, there's people from Australia. There's people from Norway. There's people from France, Ireland, uh, Spain, Italy, uh, Myanmar, uh, other parts of Asia. And they're all saying, well, I can't wait to get out of my house. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're still locked down and this is so great to, to visit with people. And so, you know, it's, I think that's been the biggest impact for me is just that realizing that we're all going through through the same thing together at the same time. And, and that's, that's never happened in our lifetime to have something that's that universal and that shared. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, to, to see how everybody's adapted, you know, you were talking about the music videos. It, it made me think, uh, you think to, to all these overproduced, high-budget music videos of, of years past, and and now, I mean, you could do something relatively cheap and uh, very creative and, and source it and get other people involved in it and, and just have a blast with it. And it, it doesn't have to be you know, slick and fancy to, to be effective and uh, evoke emotion. Well, and that's, that's been my MO for all my videos. I mean, that's, that's my whole thing is it's not, we're not slick. We're not, there's no professional actors. There's no, I just call a bunch of my friends for any, any of my other videos. It's always been called a bunch of my friends. The last one, uh, nobody leaves this world alive it was my birthday weekend and on my birthday weekend, I always throw a, uh, a bonfire picking party. And I just said, Hey guys, dress up really corny. And the first three hours of the party, we're going to, we're going to film a video. And, and so that's what we did. And, uh, and we had a blast and, and that became the video for nobody leaves this world alive. But that's what I've always done is just get my friends together and let's, let's do something goofy. Um, I'm actually going in, this is something that I've not talked about to anybody on the air, but uh, I've, uh, we're going in here in a couple weeks to film a video for the song Break My Honky Tonk Heart on the new CD. And, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be, again, I just, I've just i gathered my friends. And, and you know my old co-host, Tino, from the music yeah. show? Uh, bless his heart. I always put him in the weirdest situations in my videos. <laughs> and... Uh, and this time, I'm dressing him up in a in a heart costume, and he's the honky tonk heart, <laughs> and we're filming the whole thing in a boxing ring. Uh, and the video's gonna be gonna be a bunch of girls beating him up. I'm sure he's he's devastated by that, huh? I know, I know. <laughs> I saw a tease there on uh, on social media the other day about uh, the, the scouting the boxing ring. So I, I wondered what was afoot there. Well, there you go. There's your scoop, man. Beautiful. I can't wait to see the finished product there. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, uh, the the live streams, you talk about doing the early morning one, and a lot of that is done to capture that European audience. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's uh, 7 a.m. is 1, 1, 1 p.m. over there or, or and, and around there. You know, time zones change. It might be noon somewhere. It might be 2 o'clock somewhere. But in, in general, um and and I've also found that that's you know, it's 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 kind of an open time slot. You know, there's not a lot of American artists wanting to get up and <laughs> sing at the top of their lungs at seven in the morning. <laughs> Just you, huh? <laughs> not a lot of competition, man. Uh, and and man, I just have the best time. And what's crazy is how many people on the West Coast are getting up at five in the morning to watch, and then take that back around when i'm doing my my friday night show i do that from 9 to 11 p.m here and and there'll be people in europe checking in there and it's five in the morning there or three in, you know four in the morning and so uh so i'm getting them coming and going it's it's a, it's a cool thing that's awesome i know i like to start my mornings with it when i can here and it's a good way to start a Friday morning, and then I, I, I usually stop back by, uh, you know, in, in at night, and I say, this is the only guy that's working as much as I am. He's always doing something. 
Well, and I have to say, I've decided that the, the Friday nights I'm going monthly. I'm doing once a month. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm going to keep doing my Friday mornings, but the, the, I think the next, I think my next uh, Friday night is going to be the 16th of October. Gotcha. So it'll be around the middle of the month every month. Give yourself some Friday nights back, huh? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, I miss those great Friday nights where I'm asleep on the couch by eight o'clock snoring. <laughs> so I got to, I got to get some of those back. Your life has to have balance, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that wild though? You know, you think about, um, seriously, I mean, it, it, we, we just laugh, my wife and I, cause we'll be on the couch and trying to stay awake at nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock at night. And we just go, you know, this is around the time we'd start getting ready to go out. Yeah. In the yeah. And, and now, I, what, what did I hear somebody say the other day? You know, they, they base all of their social engagements on whichever one gets them home earlier, earlier. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you really do. I, and and I, I'm kind of circling back to the idea of the TV, which is these old bones. Is, you know, it's just, there's just some realities as you get a little older that, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to go out and, and whoop it up till two or three in the morning because it hurts a lot more the next day than it used to but that doesn't mean you can't throw down when you need to right when you need to yeah yeah absolutely you know we talk about europe you've been in uh, just uh have done such a good job of building a fan base over there and i've kind of watched because it seems like a model for how other folks can do it not only have you connected with fans over there but have done a great job connecting with disc jockeys and and print music journalists and and other uh, folks that ha have a, a real interest in traditional country music over there, and that's seemed to have paid big dividends for you. Well, it 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 definitely helped, um, and, and and who knows? You know, this is just my my personal guess here. Um, you know, but I know when I had uh, when I when I did my radio show uh, for several years. I was constantly getting emails from people I didn't know just asking me for things. Play my music, put me on, interview me. And, and I had no idea who they were, right? And, uh, and, and so I guess one of the things that if, if I was to give anybody advice, and I, it's actually advice that I have given several people, is don't, don't ask people for stuff so much, you know? be more appreciative and be more be, offer offer them something um not not with an ulterior motive in mind but again and this goes back to my thoughts on on other artists in general i think i think if you if you go into all of this with a, with a service heart and with a mind of you know how can i help somebody else um it's amazing how many things will come to you that you don't ask for um and 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 to me that's more genuine and 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 something that that is going to be uh longer lasting as far as a career as well um you know I, I i've run into folks i have a great example i was at a festival one time and and there was a an artist there who i'd seen i'd met this person several times and and as they walked by, I said, hello. And they kind of gave me a dismissive look and kept walking. And as they were walking, uh, a couple of big hit writers came up and asked me how the radio show was going. And this artist whipped around, 
and came back and said, radio show? Oh, tell me more. And you should have me on your show. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> so I think, I think people that are just constantly asking for uh, help or asking for things, it, 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 it's kind of a turnoff. So, you know, my advice to other artists is, is figure out what you can do to help someone else. And, and, and maybe you get something back, maybe you don't. But even if you don't, you just got to help somebody else. And that's, there's nothing but good that comes out of that. And I'm going to clip that part of the show and uh, uh, play it over and over again because I'm sure there's plenty of people that need to listen to it. <laughs> I know I run, <laughs> run into quite a few of them from time to time, too, so I know exactly what you speak of. Well, just, you know, be sincere and, and honestly think of other people, and it and it, it goes a long way, I think. And, and that's kind of a tough deal, too, because from an artist perspective, a lot of times, you know, they're they're being driven by what they're being told by publicists and and management and and labels and everything else. So that, that a lot of them don't know what they don't know. But uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on. That's for sure. You know what though, and 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 I I agree with you a hundred percent there. But I also know that, um, you know. Billy Ray Cyrus, I, I, I heard a story about Billy Ray Cyrus from a friend of mine who'd been in the radio business for years. And, uh, and his, uh, the, the, I'm going to say the DJ's name was Dan. And Dan uh, arranged for Billy Ray Cyrus to come do a show for his radio station, right? And, uh, and, and Dan's mom was a huge fan of Billy Ray Cyrus. And this is right when Achy Breaky Hearts, the biggest thing on the radio. And, uh, and, and Billy Ray Cyrus knew that, that Dan's mom was a big fan. And um, his, uh, the, 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 when, when Billy Ray came to the, to the show, he asked where Dan's mom was. And Dan's mom had just been hospitalized. Mm. Was in a hospital an hour and a half away. And Billy Ray Cyrus said, well, let's go. And they, and they drove to the hospital. And he went and sang for Dan's mom. And you're thinking that's pretty amazing in itself. But six months later, when he was uh, in Vegas for the ACM Awards and he was about to win one of his big awards, uh, he called Dan up from, from his hotel in Las Vegas and said, Dan, I've been thinking about your mom. How's she doing? <laughs> you know what? So, so. Yeah, you can listen to your publicist and you can listen to your managers, but there's also those folks that are just going to be human beings no matter what. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, I, I agree with you. But and then I and but then I also say for the independent musicians who maybe don't have a full time publicist or a full time manager, um, you know, you better go out and be a good person because that's all you got to stand on. That's exactly right, man. Be a good person, not because you might get something out of it. But be a good person because it's how you're supposed to be. There you go. Words to live by. So as far as uh, what you've done here the past few months here, uh, what, what have you done throughout the pandemic to try to capture some of this captive audience and, and build a following out, outside of the live streams? Um, well, the, the video, you know, trying to, trying to, I, I'm doing more videos in, in a shorter, compressed amount of time than I would normally do. Mm-hmm just because I want to keep finding new ways to engage people. Um, 
and then uh, constantly listening to other artists and 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 you know sharing sharing the news about other people that I hear that I really like. Um, and then uh, you know I've still been doing some shows, uh, but it's just you have to change change what a show looks like. Uh, you know, instead of playing, you know, a theater, which I had a, a great theater gig booked. And instead of, you know, that got canceled. So instead of saying, well, then I'm not going to Oregon for that. No, I still went to Oregon and I found some outdoor private shows, people that would be willing to throw a show on. And, you know, instead of people being right up close to you, they're, they're 40, 50 feet away. And, and you just have to find different ways to engage with that kind of a distance when you're just doing solo acoustic. It's, 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 you know, you can't put on a big show when you're solo acoustic that far away from people, but you find ways to engage and and you, you just have to adapt. I think I, I you said that a few minutes ago. You have to adapt. Um, it's, you know, this isn't going away anytime soon. It's not going to suddenly, um, you know, I hear, I hear people saying that this is all going to be over here after the election. Well, this is a worldwide thing. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, you know, Australia isn't going to change their ways because of who's president here. So, you know, this is going to be something we're going to be dealing with for a while. So you just got to find other ways around it, you know, and, and, and again, just, just do everything you can to, to engage the people that are spending their time and, and God willing, a few bucks on your CDs. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that you're doing is really neat, and this goes back to being a, a, a good human being, is uh, d- doing some shows uh, w- with nursing homes. I know that's something you were doing before, uh, but have still found ways to continue to do those and, and entertain those folks to, through the pandemic. Oh yeah, you know you gotta you gotta feel for the, for these folks because so many of these uh, of these homes have been locked down for months, and you know they might have a, an activities director. But, you know, they ran out of ideas three or four months ago. And, and, and so, yeah, we've been doing some, some things where we're maybe outside and they open up the French doors and everybody's way in the back. And I, I, can, I can plug my PA into the, uh, into the, into the, the F-150 and, and, and let her rip, you know. And so there's, there's, always, there's always ways around it. There's always ways to, to to get to those ears um you just gotta maybe work a little harder at it or, or be a little more creative and there's there's been some great uh, here in nashville there's been folks doing drive-in shows and and little pop-up shows outside and you know because people are people are dying for some, any type of entertainment you know yeah. there, i don't think there's been a lot of shows getting getting made a lot of new tv shows so you know whereas you normally have your your, your summer rerun season, I think we're going to have a fall and winter rerun season too. Yeah. So uh, outdoor shows are going to get a little harder as the weather turns, but uh, you know, and now you got me thinking, okay, now that it's going to get colder, now what do I do? Um, we got to, we got to find out some other, find some other ideas here. So if you have any, come, come talk to me. Let's, let's come up with something. Well, I know earlier we talked about your song Critters from the new album, These Old Bones. How about we give them a taste of what they will hear when they come to a Scott Southworth show? All right, it's one I wrote with uh, Chad Green and wrote it a long time ago and 
really liked how I was hearing it in my head, this version of it, so I wanted to record it. And uh, it's been well received, and it also became my first video on this project, music video. So if you look for Critters on YouTube or on Scott Southworth Music on Facebook, uh, you'll see this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, in this era of social distancing, we had to find a way to film it, so we... We got. I sent the song to people all over the all over the place, and and asked them to send me minute long clips of them dancing, however they wanted to, to this song. So if you look at the video, there's clips from from Switzerland and France and Ireland and England and Utah and California and Oregon, and it's just a lot of fun. It goes like this.
Ah, another great one there from Scott Southworth. Well, I know everyone's chomping at the bit, Scott, to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and looking ahead to the new year. I know this is probably a loaded question at this point, but do you have any idea how 2021 is shaping up for you? I have no idea, my yeah. friend. Um, it, 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 no. The, the short answer is no. I don't have anything really booked up. Um, I'm, I'm talking to folks about some some shows and i've decided you know that the festivals you know normally the festivals are already booking now and and they still don't know if they're even going to be uh able to next year and so there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of uh trepidation see what i did there using a big word there you go i'll look that up when we're done here yeah would you um and uh you know so i'm not i think what i've i've been telling I've been kind of arranging with some folks that as soon as the borders loosen up, you know, because right now you can't really go to Europe unless you want to sit in quarantine for two weeks. And I can't do that. I, I got a day job. I'm working. So I can't I can't waste two weeks sitting in a hotel room. Um, but as soon as those borders open up, I'm going to treat this uh, just like it was. I was starting over again in 2014, 2015, and I'm just going to strap my guitar on my back and and go back to, to playing some some pubs or some outdoor shows in Europe and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go I, I think my, my target is Ireland this year I haven't been there in a few years and got a lot of good friends there so um, I'm just I'm just gonna go play guitar man play play my songs to whoever's gonna listen and I might be on a patio playing for four people you never know uh, but but I think that's uh, that's what this next year is gonna look like. And I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, that's, that's what I was doing at first. A lot of couch surfing, a lot of hopping trains and, and going. And, uh, and I, I think it's going to be great to do that again. What was that experience like getting to do that for the first loved time? It. I loved everything about it because, uh, um, for me, traveling is, you know, I don't, I don't really care for sitting in a hotel, especially if I'm in another country. If I can, if I can sleep on someone's couch and, and, you know, after playing, just sit and, and visit with them and then, uh, you know, maybe maybe have a have a have a whiskey or two and, and, and share stories with them. And then the next morning, go out and have breakfast and walk around their their town with them and let them show me things. And what a what a you know, to, that to me, that's that's me actually seeing the real the real deal, not just the, the tourist attractions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, people get into music and, and get into touring and doing all that kind of stuff for, for any number of reasons, but uh, I think that's as good a, a one as any to, to go see the world and, and just experience life. I mean, if, uh, if you're wired to, uh, to, to emote through music, it seems like you're also wired to, to have those experiences, huh? Well, I, 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 for me, I am. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I, when I was interviewing folks, you know, large, large celebrities and stuff like that on my show, and I'd ask them, you know, you know, what did you love best about all the traveling? And they said, I don't know, because they were in a whole different level, right? When you're playing uh, stadiums and you're traveling, you're just going from one, one place to the next and racing to this interview and then running to the, to the sound check and going back to your hotel and then going back and doing the show and then getting back on a bus and 
and they really, you know, when I, a lot of these artists that I talked to never really got a chance to, to go see where, where they were playing at, you know, and, and never really got a chance to do much. So, you know, for me, I, I like to spread my shows out and, and if I'm spending, if I'm, I might spend a couple of days in one town or, or take a detour and, and just go, you know, explore for a day or two between, between gigs. And that's, uh, to me, that's where the, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this to, to be rich or, or, you know, to, to do anything other than have experiences. And so what a, what a, what a treat that, that music is affording me to be able to do that. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, early in my career, I started out, uh, interviewing a lot of professional athletes and, you know, as a kid, that was something I had kind of always aspired to. And you think, man, boy, that would really be something to to be on that stage and do that for a living, get paid to do it, be on TV and everything else. And I can't tell you how many of those guys that I've talked to uh, over the course of time, you ask them about those experiences, and they don't even like talking. It's like going to war or something. They didn't even like talking about it. And uh, uh, frankly, didn't even like it. Once they got there, it was like... Uh, it was such a burden to them that uh, they didn't have any fun doing it, and they couldn't wait to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, and that and, was shocking and, to me. Yeah, but you know, then you, you know that that that's when you're at that certain peak, right? Yeah. Um, I know you're talking about athletes, but even for artists, there, there's that time in your as a, as if you're a hit artist, where man, you're just going, uh, just just. 100 miles an hour nonstop. Um, but uh, who was it that I talked to that had been touring the last few years with uh, Kenny Rogers' Christmas tour uh, that, that was doing Europe and across the United States? And they said that they had so much fun because Kenny was, was, was spacing the shows and they were actually getting to go and just have fun in all these places they were going to. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, hopefully the, the sad thing is for an athlete, you know, once, once your body gives out, you're done, uh, with, with, with us hillbilly singers, you know, you can, you can keep going. My body gave out a long time ago, but I can still go out and country songs and, and people still want to hear me. So, you know, thank goodness for that. As long as you keep those polyps off the vocal cords, you're good, huh? That's right. That's right. Uh, you, you referenced the uh, the show that, that you did, uh, you, you and Heino Moeller, the uh, Music Row show on, on WSM for, for so many years. Through yeah. the, through that show, who, who were some of your favorite interviews you did? Oh, me. Um, Little Richard was amazing. And, uh, and, and he had a great time and, and had so much fun that at the end of the show, uh, they, they asked me to, they asked Heino and I to come MC his concert uh, uh, in Nashville, so we got to spend some more time with him, and uh, so that was fun. Uh, I mean, my goodness, uh, John Hyatt. I've always been a huge fan of John Hyatt's songwriting. Guy Clark hmm. was was such an honor for me. Uh, Dolly Dolly Parton. Three times we got to visit with Dolly. Uh, she held my hand in one of the interviews and that was, you know, I could, I could be done right there. Like I, like I said in that song, if all I do is all I've done, you know, and, and that includes Dolly holding my hand while I'm chatting with her, then that's, that's plenty good enough for me. That's awesome. 
So what are, what are some of the things that uh, you still want to accomplish in your own musical career, both as a, as a singer and a songwriter? Oh, I don't know. Um, what do I still want to accomplish? I mean, it, it, every time I finish a CD, I say it's my last one. But then I start looking and, and like, like I, my, my, I, my next Tonky Tonk album is already written, Brent. I've, uh, you know, I, I start looking, I go, Gag nabbit, I still got enough song. I, I can do a whole nother album. Um, and then, and then I start writing with folks and, and a new, a new song comes out. So, um, I don't know that I have any goals. I, I would like to go play in Asia. Um, I did have New Zealand scheduled for this coming February, but that got moved to, uh, 2022. And that's always been a bucket list locale for me. But, uh, other than that, I, I just, I love writing songs and, you know, right now I kind of have an idea in my head for a kind of a, a left turn type of project that's still going to be uh, very roots oriented, but not honky tonk as much as maybe Western Gothic ballads or something like that. Uh, I'm actually heading to uh Utah here in a couple weeks. Uh, the day after I finish filming that video, I'm going to go spend some time uh, out in the in the Great Basin in Utah and 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 tramp around some ghost towns and see if there's some stories out there waiting to be told. Um, so I'm always looking for for the next good story to to tell and then find a way to to tell it in three and a half minutes and make it rhyme. So the new album is out now it came out a couple months ago here these old bones 11 great cuts on that album and not a bad one in the bunch is there one Thanks. is there one off that album that's your favorite to perform no man they're all um i love them all uh, brown liquor's been around probably the longest love that song that's always been a fun one to play live because uh inevitably the whole crowd joins in and 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 sings along with me and so that makes it a lot of fun uh these old bones is is fun to me because um it, it gets a great response from people uh you know i think i think i mentioned that uh in the podcast that uh we had the uh the first time i played it out live at the at the commodore grill and uh and there was a guy in the audience who was in his 80s, and he just got up and started dancing. And, and you've been to the Commodore Grill, but there's no dance floor. Yeah. It's, a, it's a listening room. But this guy's dancing and pointing at me and was yelling out, you know, you're playing my song. <laughs> you know, so I, I, anytime I can get people uh, nodding their heads or laughing or smiling and, and, and seeing themselves in the song, uh, whatever song it is, that that for that moment, that becomes my favorite song to play, just because it's got somebody uh, involved in it. You don't even have to wear tight pants and shake your butt to do it, do you? Well, you know, at my age and at my body style, they're all tight pants, whether <laughs> I want them or not. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I don't, and and. Uh, you know, I've already, I've always said if, uh, 
once once Florida Georgia Line and Luke Bryan and, and Jason Aldean start making country music, I'm out of I'm out of a job. <laughs> but uh, for the time being, let them do what they're doing, and and I'll be happy to play my traditional country music and and find those ears. You know, we're we're indie artists. We find them one at a time, and 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 so you know that's that's my motto: one at a time, and just have a great time doing it. Well, before we get out of here this week, my friend, how about we hear one more from you? Well, thanks again for having me on to chat with you. It's always good to visit with, with you and all your folks at Fastline Fast Track. Um, been a pleasure. Uh, this last song is also the last song on the new CD. Uh, the song is called All I've Done. And again, the CD is called These Old Bones. I'd like to thank you for letting me come on and play you some stuff. And This particular song I wrote with Jason Corson has an awful lot of sentimental value to me given uh, where I'm at in my, my life and I hope you like it. If I sat down and really thought of all the things that I ain't got I'd have a lot to think about today But they're pouring cold beer in this bar and I'm sparking up good cigar and I guess life ain't been that hard so I complain anyway if I die before I wake and my last race is run it's been a good ride I'm satisfied if all I do is all I've done if all I do is all I've done spend more money than I make but I still work and they still pay and brother if you need it I'll give till it hurts for what it's worth if I die before I wake my last race is run it's been a good ride I'm satisfied if all I was then and after all this time she still curls my toes I thank God for those two kids we made they grew up and moved away and I pray for them every day so it goes I suppose if I Good. 
I tell you what, anybody who wants to follow uh, your career, download your music, and support you, where can they go to check you out? Uh, ScottSouthworth.com is the, the the hub website. If you're on the Facebooks, you can find me at Scott Southworth Music. Instagram and uh, Twitter is Say Howdy Scott. Uh, I think. Oh, my, my YouTube is Music Rose Scott. I hadn't planned this out. You know, a smart man, Brent, would have had the same name for all of these different <laughs> things. Uh, but I really wasn't planning all this stuff. I, I, I'm still, like, I I was just talking with, uh, you know, the artist Lily May? Yeah. Lily May uh, Her and I were, were messaging back and forth today because uh, both of us have Spotify's and neither of us know what the dadgum passwords are. And so I, I, I couldn't tell you how to use Spotify if you if you shot me in the leg. I, and, and, and so here, you know, we, we, there's all this technology. There's all this stuff to keep up with. And there's only so much I worry about, you know. Yeah. But uh, find me on the website, scottsouthwork.com, or find me on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm just, just reach out and visit with me. I, I love chatting with folks. Yeah, make sure you do that because he, he just turns out some great, really creative uh, true traditional country music and we would be remiss if we also didn't mention that he is on, on a new project here live from the lost highway tuesdays at six o'clock eastern and if you search live from the lost highway on facebook it's a facebook live hour long every tuesday you get to hear him perform some originals some covers and uh just uh, it's really entertaining i've really had a lot of fun watching those well, thank you. That's right. I, I'm glad you said that because it's it's still so new. I forget to plug it. But yeah, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time is when I'm doing that, and that's uh, yeah, that's been fun. Uh, uh, this last time, speaking of technology, though, I, I I couldn't read any comments. I couldn't see any comments, so I thought I was kind of all by myself out there. And 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 then when I got done, I, I went back and looked, and there was a ton of people commenting. I don't know why I couldn't read them, but uh, it was nice to know I wasn't, uh, I thought I was just singing the tumbleweeds there. <laughs> How is that? Because I know, uh, I mean, part of it is an artist, uh, you, you get that immediate feedback, the, the reaction w when you throw something out there and you can look and in, in see in people's eyes and their body language and, and their movement. And even on live streams, if you got people there, you can see comments, but is it is it hard just per, performing to a camera, not knowing who's out there and, and and what that nebulous audience looks like? Uh, no, because because I love watching other people, mm -hmm. so so I know there's folks out there, and and uh, and I do try to. Um, I, I did have somebody tell me early on when I started doing this at the end of March. They go, you know, you you you, you stop and talk to people too much. <laughs> while I'm doing my live and, and I 
I thank them for their input and I keep doing whatever it is that I'm doing because I like talking to people and if they're, if they bring something up and I'm happy to, sometimes I'll stop in the middle of the song and say something and, and answer them and then I'll go right back to the song and, you know, again, it's, it's just finding different ways to engage. I know I sound like a broken record, but that's, that's, that's what it's all about right now, man. Yeah. And I think it serves you well. I think those are very well done and, and they are engaging and, and I sit there and I watch the comments and they do pour in from all over the world and, and, and not just, Hey, how are you doing? But, but really passionate. They know your music. Uh, they, they know you, they, they follow past live streams and, and some of the little nuances that go along with that. So that, that's, that's when you know you're really connecting. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you watch them too. I, I like, I like when you pop in and say hello. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You know, I don't have much else going on these days. So whenever I... <laughs> man, I know. Man, well, I tell you what, there, 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 maybe I can count them on two hands. I, I don't know, but, but there's a, a select group of people that, that whenever they pop into my feed or I know they've got something going on, uh, you know, e- even if I've only got five minutes because I got a ton going on, uh, I'm going to pop on there and, and just check it out and at least let them know I'm paying attention because I, I, I do think it's important to support everybody and, and encourage everybody and, and let them know uh, that you appreciate the effort that they're putting forth. That's it. That's what it's all about. We all just need to lift each other up and and uh, and share some kind words every now and then and, and uh, just be patient with each other, right? Yeah, for sure. And if you've ever yeah. been on this show and you're doing a live stream, I'm definitely going to check you out because, uh, man, I consider everybody family that's uh, that's been on this show here. Anybody who supported me and helped me out, uh, man, you, you're part of the tribe now, and I I, I wholeheartedly appreciate it because everybody could be throwing their support in any, any other direction. So always appreciate it. Well, that's good to know. I'll see you at Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, we've got plenty of spaces, so come on, man. We'll make up a room for you. We'll make up a plate for you. We'll have football on all day, you know. Oh, man. Sounds good. The truth to tell, I've decided we're going to the beach for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Toast, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna eat a turkey with sand in it, man. We're going to have a good time. There you go. That sounds like another video right there. There you go. There you go. Well, I hope you have a great holiday season. I know that's coming up, believe it or not. Um, and and all your listeners, and, and just be safe out there. And, and just, you know, man, it's, this is all going to get better. And and I, I'm looking forward to it all getting back. But it's, it's going to take some time. But in the meantime, we'll just find other ways to, to, to enjoy each other's company. No doubt. In the meantime, make sure you go check out those Scott Southworth live streams. Follow him on his website. Go download his music and support him. And uh, even if he doesn't remember his own uh, Spotify password, check out our Spotify playlist because we've got a bunch of his music queued up on there and you can check him out on there. So, again, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And, uh, man, you're welcome back anytime you want to stop by and chat. Well, it seems like we just talked last week. That's, it just feels that way. It does feel that way, you know? <laughs> and I, I I relish every moment of it. I can honestly tell you that. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and say hey to the family for me. Okay, will do. Again, that's Scott Southworth. Go get his new LP, These Old Bones, anywhere you download your music. 
Well, we also want you to mark Monday, October 19th on your calendar. We have a special edition of our Fast Line Fast Track live stream on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Here with our pal Dustin Collins, the singer and songwriter of our theme song, Working Man. He has a new song called We Stand for the Flag coming out the following day, and it's a real anthem to patriotism. You can pre-order that right now. We have a link on our Facebook page for it. We hope you go and check that out and support our buddy Dustin Collins. We also want to say a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you'll go and check them out. They have a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. They're open Sunday to Thursday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Fridays and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So when they're open, stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. Also want to say a special shout out to our friends at Farm Life and thank them for their support of Fast Line Fast Track. Please go over and give them a like on their Facebook page so you can connect with others interested in agriculture. And join me over on their page every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as I join Brandon Deal to talk about the things that are on the farmers' minds. And speaking of things on farmers' minds, hey, the tax man's coming. Do you have equipment to buy? Now's the time to get those Section 179 purchases in before the end of the year. So head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. While you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The Fastline catalog is being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite choice of farmers and ranchers across this great country. And remember, subscribe to the Fastline Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, and Audible. Also, be sure to hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for me to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.